1: Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves is part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start. To your Tuesday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power podcast, the Road to Atlanta podcast, and the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at Battery Power SBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen to your podcast, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button, and you'll get the latest content when it's available, and we typically will have new content available daily when it comes to the Battery Podcast Network. My name is Sean Cole, You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And if you're waking up this morning hoping that the spectacular performance from the Braves would have led to Monday Atlanta being able to clinch its fifth straight NL East division title... Unfortunately, that just simply was not in the cards for the Braves on Monday night. The Braves, unfortunately, just did not have what they needed to have on Monday. A four-to-nothing loss to the Miami Marlins. Jesus Lazardo for the Marlins was absolutely spectacular. I put out on Twitter a GIF of Randy Johnson when he pitched a perfect game against the Braves because that's basically what Jesus Lazardo looked like for six innings in Miami. On Monday night. And there could have been several factors that played into this. You know, the Braves, you know, coming off a very, you know, very excellent effort, highly emotional weekend series uh, in which they needed to sweep. They got the sweep done. You know, they talked about a bit, you know, that the Braves, you know, coming off of that, going immediately into another series against Miami, you know, could that have had an impact on their performance? You never want to say that that is the case. And I'm not saying that it is. But my point is, is that. The potential for this type of, you know, disappointing performance last night, it probably always had a bit of a higher chance of occurring than many of us, you know, had hoped for. And that was the case On Monday, and we've seen this from the Braves offense in the month of September, the highs and lows. You come off a weekend in which the middle of the Braves order was absolutely spectacular. Dansby Swanson and Matt Olson each homering in each of the three games against the Mets. Austin Riley having an impressive series. The Braves line up overall just getting the job done against arguably the best trio of starting pitchers in the major leagues. And then you come into Monday... And the Braves' offense cannot do anything at all. It reminded you know, me of you know about 10 days ago when the Braves lost to the Nationals at home and then lost two games to the Phillies on the road where the Braves' offense just could not do anything. That's what last night reminded me of. So there's not much that goes into it. The Braves just didn't have it last night. We'll say Bryce Elder, who had been absolutely outstanding In a few of his starts in the second half of the season, he ran into a bit of early issues, got down two to nothing early, and they gave up a two run home run to give up four runs on the night. It was very admirable of him to be able to work through the early struggles and still be able to give the Braves five innings of work, especially when you consider the fact that the best parts of the Braves bullpen had been used, you know, twice or in all three games in the series against the Mets. So the desired goal. Of the Braves' bullpen, at least the best parts of it, getting a day of rest, that was taken care of on Monday. And the Braves' bullpen overall, they did their job on Monday night. Three innings pitch without any earned runs. The Braves continued to be highly impressive as a relief unit, though in last night's case, it did not contribute to a win. So the Braves' offense struggled. The Braves, starting pitching with Bryce Elder, it struggled. But at the end of the day... The thing is, is that the Braves still very much control their own destiny. They still very much have odds in their favor to get the job done. Think of it as if the Mets are playing, you know, one of those six parts of a parlay bet, if you will. The Mets had to have six different things go their way this, or early this week for them to be able to win the division title. And on the opposite side, the Braves had to have six events not go their way, which was them losing three straight games and the Mets then winning three straight games. Okay, the first domino fell. The Braves lost on Monday night. But now coming into Tuesday, it becomes a clearly pivotal day for both the Braves and the Mets as not only do the Braves have the chance to clinch the NL East title on Tuesday with a win, but they also could get it done as the Mets play two against the Nationals on Tuesday in a doubleheader.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work
1: Monday brought with it some other fun news for Braves rookie Michael Harris II, as he was named NL Rookie of the Month for the month of September, his third time winning the NL Rookie of the Month. He won it in June as well as August and also in September, and it should come as no surprise that Michael Harris was able to earn his third Rookie of the Month award so far this year. We talked about the fact that going from a, for a six-week stretch from the start of August through mid-September, Michael Harris II was one of the best hitters in all of baseball. He absolutely, at times, carried the Braves offense. That's how special he was in the month of August as well, going into September. And recently... That led to Michael Harris getting moved up in the batting order from the you know, bottom of the order, you know, their eighth or ninth spot where he had mostly been hitting you know ever since he got called up in late May, to where now, for the past week or so, he's been batting third in the Braves lineup. And with the injury to Spencer Strider that occurred you know a few weeks ago, Michael Harris continuing to play, you would have to think that... Signs are starting to show that Michael Harris II is likely the NL Rookie of the Year, and that's no slight at all to Spencer Strider. Both players have been One of the best rookies at their respective positions in recent memory when it comes to the stretches of production that they have had. It's still going to come down to a very close race when it comes to the NL Rookie of the Year race, but you have to think with Michael Harris now winning his third NL Rookie of the Month award this year, perhaps it's starting to show that he will be the NL Rookie of the Year for two thousand. And 22. So without a doubt, there's plenty of excitement in the fact that Michael Harris II likely could be your 2022 NL Rookie of the Year. While it's great to see how special he's been for much of this season, I think it's also relevant to point out that Michael Harris has struggled a bit since the middle of September. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that it's you know directly linked to him moving up in the order. I think Michael Harris has shown plenty of indication that he's ready to take on any challenge, but it is relevant to note the fact that he has struggled and has continued to struggle mightily over the past week or so, over his past 15 games. Michael Harris is 14 of 59 at the plate. He's produced a 640 OPS over his past 15 games. Over his past seven games, he's 5 of 29 with a 440 OPS. He's only hit one home run over his past 15 games. Now, he's put together some big hits when he's been at the plate. Make no mistake about that, but it's clear that Harris has dropped off a bit. It was always expected that he likely was going to regress a bit from the level that he played at from early August through mid-September, but it's also clear now that he right now is struggling at the plate. So, what could that mean for his placement in the lineup? When it comes to how the Braves are going to position themselves for the playoffs, based whenever they'll play in the playoffs, obviously we're all hoping that will be after getting a first round bye. But I think with Harris's recent struggles, it may be worth noting that we could again see him move a bit lower in the order in time, and the Braves again go with more veteran bats once the playoffs begin. Not in any way, shape, or form saying that's going to be the case. Just saying that if you look at Harris's struggles and the fact that you've got other hitters like Matt Olsen and Dansby and Austin Riley, all starting to heat up, perhaps the Braves go back to the way that their order was for much of the season, and Harris will be able to produce like crazy as he's done for much of the year towards the bottom of the order. That at least will be an interesting narrative to watch over the next few days and also heading into the playoffs. But the big key today is the Braves again control their own destiny for the next two days. That's correct. Again, I talked about the fact it's kind of like a six-part parlay bet for the Braves and the Mets. The Braves have to have six things not go their way, while the Mets have to have six things go their way for this not to result in the Braves getting a fifth straight division title. Well, three of those events occur today. The Mets will be facing off against the Nationals in a doubleheader. The first game starts at 410 Eastern Time, 310 Central Time. Who's going to pitch for the Mets is to be determined. You would expect for Carlos Carrasco to get the ball on the mound for the Mets in their first game like he did or uh, would have done on Monday. But then from there, it's going to be interesting to see how the Mets approach their second game of the doubleheader. But that's more on the peripheral side of things. That's more, you know, in the distance. It's worth keeping note of, but for the Braves, it's taking care of what's in front of them, and that's getting a win in Miami on Tuesday, and then all of this is taken care of. On the mound for the Marlins will be left-hander Braxton Garrett. Now, he's not someone that the Braves have seen often, but they have seen him twice over the past three seasons, and the thing about Garrett is this, is that he's had some pretty decent success against the Braves. He's, he has a three ERA on over two game appearances against the Braves in his career, including one back in mid-August where he actually lost as the Braves won that game three to one. But the key, the key point of those numbers that Garrett has produced against the Braves in nine overall all total innings, Braxton Garrett has walked nine hitters in those nine innings against the Braves. He has a one point nine whip. He has nearly a two whip against the Braves in his two outings. He also has only struck out four batters. The point that I'm getting at is is that Garrett has shown the tendency to allow for the Braves to create opportunities to score. Atlanta just has not had that much success so far doing it. So that's one big key coming into this game. Whether it be a walks, whether it be, you know, the the Braves being able to make good contact early on, Atlanta is likely going to have their chances. They likely are going to find themselves with opportunities to either draw walks or make good contact to hopefully get some runs going early to support Jake Odorizzi. That's going to be a big key in this game for the Braves, can they work the count against Garrett, get some walks, get into some favorable counts to where they then can allow for Garrett to have to throw strikes, and as the numbers show, he's not been that successful at missing bats. Can the Braves work their plate appearances into favorable situations and take advantage of them early? That's going to be a big key for Atlanta, because on the flip side of things, The Braves are going to need to score early more than likely to overcome recent struggles of Jake Odorizzi. We know that he was absolutely abysmal two starts ago in Philadelphia. We know that he definitely was not on the top of his game against the Nationals. And what really has hurt Odorizzi is either he's allowed too many walks or he's allowed too many home runs. In his outings, and of course against the Phillies, it was it was both. It was allowing too many base runners, but also then allowing for too hard of contact. But that's the key for Jake Odorizzi, is that over his past, th- four, over his past five starts, or excuse me, in three of his past four starts, Odorizzi has allowed three or more walks. He also has given up. Eight home runs over his past six starts, over his past eight starts, excuse me. Last time against the Nationals, he didn't give up a home run, but there were several hard hit balls that allowed for the Nationals to get an early lead because of the fact that Odorizzi also allowed three walks in three and two-thirds innings. At the end of the day, it simply comes down to this. Jake Odorizzi just simply needs to throw strikes. He needs to trust his stuff and throw strikes against a Marlins lineup that, yes, last night had a bit of a success, but Odorizzi just simply needs to throw strikes and trust his defense. This is the type of game the Braves have consistently set up these type of games to trust their offense and to trust that if their pitchers can throw strikes, the Braves will be able to get enough outs to, that they'll limit the opposition's ability to score and that their offense will be able to eventually take over. That's what the Braves are trusting again tonight, and the job for Jake Odorizzi to do is to trust that his defense will be able to get the job done by throwing strikes, limiting walks, and keeping the ball in the ballpark. That should be a bit easier this time around against the Smarland's lineup than like a lineup against, say, the Phillies, but as his last outing showed against the Nationals, if Odorizzi can't find the strike zone, it doesn't matter what level of talent the opposing lineup has. They're major league hitters. They're still going to be able to capitalize... If the pitcher cannot throw strikes or not locate his pitches, and if Odorizzi runs into early trouble, don't be surprised if the Braves have an early hook, especially if the Braves themselves are not getting off to a great start offensively. So the Braves are going to have their chances they likely are going to find themselves in good situations to strike early and get an early lead. And then from there, you hope that Rizzi may be able to put together, you know, four or five innings, go through the lineup twice or so against the Marlins, give the bullpen then the ability to get the job done. Because once the game gets into the bullpen, you have to feel confident that the Braves, especially wanting to make up for last night, that the Braves' offense and their bullpen once again will be the deciding factors, and what hopefully will be a win in a fifth straight NL East division title. And we'll have all the coverage here for you on the Daily Hammer, part of the Battery Battery Power podcast network. You can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power podcast, Road to Atlanta podcast, and podcasts to be named later all at batterypower.com, at Battery Power SBN, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button. My name's Sean Coleman. Pleasure to be with you as always. Go Braves! Hopefully the next time we'll talk, we'll be discussing the Braves as the NL East champions for the fifth straight time. We'll talk to you soon here on the Daily Hammer.